From the mind of a Chicago media vet comes a longtime podcast in the making. Why? What have you heard? She's been heard, seen, and she's never been one to hold anything back. This is still America, and we can still have our opinions. The Jill Urchak Show, the podcast. And you may have heard me if you were stuck in traffic. Unfiltered, uncensored, and where nothing is off topic. You're entitled to your opinion. I'm entitled to mine. It's not a big deal. And now, from the south side of Chicago, your host, Jill Urchak. You are listening to The Jill Check Show. I am your host, Jill Check. yours truly, the show about anything I want it to be. And one thing that I love more, well, I wouldn't say more than anything, but a pretty close second is music. So I dug through my old friends and I found somebody perfect for this. Legendary Chicago radio personality, James Van Osdell. He's been a fixture on many stations, alternative rock and music scenes. You've heard him on stations like Q101, 94.7 The Zone, WGN, 97.9 The Loop. And now he's the digital content lead for Cumulus Chicago. And if that's not enough, bragger, he also hosts local 312 for KQX 101. And you can hear and see him on his own podcast, which I will let him tell you about because I'm out of breath. James, welcome to the show. <laughs> Isn't that the greatest thing about doing your own podcast? You started <laughs> off, just, you just lean on the people you know. Like, that's the easiest no, way to get this off no. the ground. Like, I, I've got to get episodes together. Who do I know? Who'd be willing to commit to an hour? James. No, he would do that. No, you know what? I could have used my neighbor. She likes music. No, I. What's <laughs> funny, and the reason I thought of you was because way back when I've met you a few times, but when we worked together at WGN, I was talking mm-hmm. to you about Billy Squire. Now, okay, oh, I was. Yes. I will say my age. I'm not ashamed of it. I was born in '71. I have all older brothers and sisters, so I was listening to this music since I was a fetus. I'm a huge Squire fan, and, and Don't Say No, everyone thought was the first album he ever put out, and I was telling you there was an album called Tale of the Tape that an ex-boyfriend who used to smell like Brute Clone got for me, and you knew it, and I was like in awe of you. So no, you are the chosen man for this podcast, James. Oh, Billy Squire. <laughs> you know, the Don't Say No album, it, it, was, it was quite the breakthrough, Jiller Check. I mean, yes. two days gone. Oh, Lonely is the night in the in the dark. My gone. kind of lover. I mean, yes, this, this is this is a spectacular piece of eighties pop rock. This, it, but here's the thing, and I never thought I'd lead a podcast with Billy Squire. Okay, because I want to pick your brain, but I'm not a closet fan. I'm open about it. You know, he was never anybody I was like hot for because he was kind (laughs) of dancing around when he screwed up Rock Me Tonight in his little pink ripped up shirt. I'm like, dude, that is the most unmanly thing you could ever do. Destroyed his career. Totally. Absolutely. 86 torpedoed Billy Squire's career. And it was. I'll totally cop the the follow up album to Don't Say No Emotions in in Motion. Great album. Title track. the title track on this is fantastic. Great album. Yes, I absolutely agree. And and I remember him blaming it. Oh, it was the choreographer. It was this. It was that. And Okay, so we're getting into the music part that I wanted to, James, because most people don't know who Billy Squire is, and, and, and I'm good with that. And the people that do kind of laugh until you say the stroke, oh, yeah, but he had so many more hits. But that's, to me, those are my memories of music. I don't know how old you are. Um did you used to sit at Walgreens? Well, Jill, and- Jill, 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 I'm 25. So oh, I thought you were 24. Yes. So yeah. <laughs> I, I'm thinking you know who Billy Squire is. But did you used to go to Walgreens and sit there and read the rock magazines, or was it just me? No, definitely not at Walgreens. I mean, as long as I can remember, I, since I was probably seven or eight years old, I was buying my own records. and I, I would, That was weekend activity. I mean, yeah. my friends and I, 
every weekend we'd go to the record store. I mean, every allowance mm-hmm. I earned was subsequently blown within 48 hours by going to, at the time when I was a kid, Record City in Skokie. Uh, that was our hangout. That that place in Rolling Stones over on by Harlem and Irving. Um, so I would I would I wouldn't read the rock magazines. I think I probably subscribed to Hit Parader and Cream, and certainly Rolling Stone for many years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's that's where I got a lot of information. And that's where you know I gleaned a ton of trivia. But yeah, I mean, every as a kid, as a music fan, and ironically, here I am in my you know late twenties, Jill. I'm going to record. <laughs> Me too. I'm going Me to too. record stores every weekend, like like I'm. 13 years old again. I mean, the same habits I had as a child, mm-hmm. I've revisited as an adult. I mean, I'm, I'm going to Siren Records in McHenry this weekend. I was just at Beverly Records in Beverly. Like, I love going record shopping. It's still, it's very much a part of who I am and what I enjoy doing. Yeah. And it's funny because for people that didn't really grow up with vinyl or tapes, there, I'm one of those people, and don't get me wrong, I love getting things very quickly, but there was such a pleasure in getting the album, and the whole album cover had all the lyrics, and it was a book. It was a book. You pretty much read a book about, you know, the people you were buying instead of just, oh, I'm going to get this one on iTunes or whatever. I miss that. I miss that. I know I'm doing the Common Core math, so I'm in my 20s, too. But is that still something that's like, you can't do that anymore and it's funny because albums well, a couple of years ago, I guess still now they were trying to make a comeback. Did that ever go anywhere? Well, they, they made it. Well, yeah, Did they? They, they? They made the comeback. I mean, um, physical music, vinyl albums are outselling all other forms of music. As, really? As uh, every every new album, especially in the rock world, has a vinyl expression or vinyl release. Uh, a lot of albums that didn't ever get vinyl releases back in the nineties, as vinyl kind of petered out are finally seeing the light of day with new pressings. It's funny, just over the past two weeks, I bought Nine Inch Nails, The Fragile, which, you know, big, big, cool double CD release when it came out Mm -hmm. in 1999. I bought the three LP set of Nine Inch Nails, The Fragile, which kind of along the lines of what you're saying, comes with a a book, the lyrics. It's, you know, Mm -hmm. big, sturdy, 180-gram vinyl discs. Uh, No, vinyl is... The comeback has happened. I mean, I, I have a teenage son who collects records now, and he gets excited about new releases. I mean, oh, I love it. He is jazzed about the fact that he just got the new Architects album on vinyl. It's very, what you're saying about iTunes and streaming music, I, I think is totally valid. I mean, for many years, I, I just lived or subsisted on digital music, and it's so different when you play physical media. When mm-hmm. you play, when you put a record on, mm-hmm. You are committing to that artist's mm-hmm. vision. You're, for, for ill or well, you're playing the, the good songs and the awful songs. You're sitting through it because no one wants to get up and change the track. But, you, but you're committed to it. When, I don't know if you're like me, but with digital music, I am ADD. I am fast-forwarding through stuff. I'm listening to the first 75 seconds of songs when I'm in the car. Vinyl forces yeah. me to slow the F down and pay attention to the music and living it for a little bit. No, that's a good point because I was listening to, I went for a walk, I was listening to my own Spotify and I'm not paying for it. So you get what, six skips? And I'm like having it out, you know, with my own music that I picked out and I'm like, next, next. And I'm annoyed and I'm like, I'm the one who picked it out. But you're right. And you also got those deep cuts that you don't get anymore. You either like the song now or you don't. And that's how we were talking about, like, you would get an album, you would get an entire story. And sure, you might not have liked all of them, and you may skip them, but you're right. 
you played it, you put the needle on, it was crisp, and you listened. And it would, I just think it's a very different experience than now. And I still, too, like you, have all my albums, all my 45s, and all my tapes. Well, I, to clarify, I, <laughs> I've come back to digital or to physical music. Um, I got rid of all my records. I had thousands and thousands of records, and they just, no one was making them anymore. All the plants were shutting down. Record companies were not sure. producing vinyl. I mean, save you know a couple of independent punk rock labels pressing seven inches. No one was doing it anymore. And as anyone knows who's traveled and moved with vinyl more than once, walking up three flights of stairs with crates and crates of vinyl, it's exhausting. And my thought was, oh, this is this is a dying thing. I've, I've got tens of thousands of CDs. That's the future. Uh, so I donated all my records. This was probably 1997 or 1998 when vinyl was just dead, absolutely irretrievably mm-hmm. dead at that mm-hmm. point. Uh, and I donated all my records to the ALS Foundation. They were doing a fundraiser. Oh, it's well, one of those things that, like, yeah, I regret it, but I did did the right thing. It was a, it was for a good cause. But I've been slowly, methodically rebuilding a vinyl collection for the past five years. I just, if if you know, since I'm in my twenties with you, I don't want to say the younger generation, but they're you know, it's a different thing. And I get the I want this one. I don't want all the other ones. I want it now. Things have improved, but I just think it was a different experience, you know, looking at that album, like you said, listening and slowing down and how much music has changed. And I was thinking about it because I was flipping through. Now, I have a six-year-old, so the way I was really into my music, I still am. It's different because we have dinosaurs on. I'm not kidding. All freaking day. And I love dinosaurs, so I'm good with that. Dinosaurs in space. I don't really have a lot of background time or time as anybody who has a small child knows. It's not about you. So I'm in the car and I'm just flipping around and I thought, dang, I don't know half this stuff anymore. And I used to be able to keep up with it. And I got to be honest with you, James, a lot of it I don't like. And it started really upsetting me. And then I put the question out on Facebook, if rock was dead, I don't think it is. But what is your, that's probably not a yes or no answer. What do you feel about that? Oh, no, it absolutely is a yes or no answer. The answer is, of course, it's not that. That's, that's ridiculous. Okay. I, I think I hear that. I hear this with a lot of people. I hear it all the time. Today's music sucks. It's awful. It was so much better than the 90s. The 90s were the best. That's all horseshit. It, the, the simple problem is, has nothing to do with the music that exists out there. It's just curation. Curation is the issue. We have so much music. Everything that was ever recorded by every band in the history of creation is available on the Internet. You can find anything you want mm-hmm. in theory. There's no clear way to tunnel through to find the stuff you want. There, we live in this algorithmically driven curation world where you're served up things that you might like because you like this other thing. But the, the human touch that made curation so appealing, let's say when you were really excited about radio or reading music magazines, is kind of lost. It, those trusted voices, be they on the radio, on 120 Minutes, on MTV, or you know, Rolling Stone magazine. It's harder to identify those voices who are going to steer you right. And so there's plenty of great music out there. There's tons of great stuff. Tons of great releases that came out in 2020. It's just harder to find them because I think curation is is dead. Not rock. Curation. Yeah, no, I agree. I remember going to a restaurant once and they had Sirius on. I don't remember what channel it was at the time. This was a long time ago. And I was like, I forgot. Why aren't they playing? Well, I know. I'm a radio person. I know why they don't play all the songs I want to hear. I get it. But it's frustrating to me. It's frustrating because so much music is just 
not played. If you don't remember it in your head, like sometimes if I ever have a downtime, I will just sit there like, oh, I want to hear a song I haven't heard in a while. And my mind goes blank because there's so many. I don't even know where mm-hmm. to begin. I will literally go through the alphabet. Do I want to hear Abba? Do I, you know? So I've just been, I don't know. I've been, because my son, this is so cute. Since he's into dinosaurs, I couldn't, f- Walmart was out. I got him Godzilla. Okay. I said, DJ, this was a movie. This was, this was cool. There was even a song about it. And he said, oh yeah, this is what got me to thinking. And I said, yeah, it's called Godzilla. It's a really, he loves it. He loves it. And it's so cute to hear him sing. And I'm like, oh my God, my child is singing Black Sabbath. It's just. Uh, wait, wait, you're talking Blue Oyster Cult. I mean, Blue Oyster Cult. Yes, I'm looking at Black Sabbath right now. That was something I was going to talk to you about. Yes, Blue Oyster Cult. Is he singing the verse? Is he saying with a terrible or with a purposeful grimace and a terrible smile? No, all he knows how to really sing is, oh, no, there goes Tokyo. Go, go, Godzilla. But he loves he loves it. It's it's catchy. You know, I I tried looking up a YouTube thing of the video and I think he tuned out at that point. But I thought, okay, what really got my son into music was Michael Jackson. I consider myself a rock girl. I thought I was Tony Katane. I thought I'd be on the top of a car with my hair blowing in the wind. That was my goal in life, okay? And clearly that did not happen. Uh, so when I, my all-time favorite album ever is Thriller. That is mine. I was going to ask you yours, and that's a hard one to answer. I loved Michael Jackson, but yet I consider myself a rocker, but he was so... He he can capture six year olds, eighty year olds, twenty year olds. You follow me? That's that kind of talent, like Phil Collins or Elton John. To me, is rare. Let's let's be honest. Phil Phil Collins has done a great deal to diminish all the goodwill he created for like two decades. Like really, everything after No Jacket required kind of invalidates a lot of the goodwill he he built up for himself. Okay. The Lion King, or no, that, that wasn't whatever the Disney stuff he did. Yeah, anyway, uh, my favorite album is really hard to answer. Obviously, it's an, an impossible one. Uh, I'll tell you a couple albums that I really love that I've talked about recently. So they're top of mind. Um, I do a couple podcasts because who doesn't have that kind of free time now? I, I do a couple podcasts. One of which is the History of Alternative, which I do for WKQX. Okay, and we did a Best of the Nineties podcast like we picked our favorite albums from the 90s this is kind of top of mind a, a couple from that decade to me stand out as i don't know a, exemplary albums that i will listen until i'm dead and that's uh gentlemen by afghan wigs okay and to bring you my love to bring you my love by pj harvey two of my favorite albums from that decade certainly in that in that conversation for top 10 of all time uh and this past year in fact i've, I've been listening to it on vinyl today i, I haven't stopped listening to it since it came out last year, and that is the most recent album from the British band Idols, I-D-L-E-S, called Ultramano. Uh, they're kind of a, a mix of everything I loved about the Jesus Lizard and the fall, and the lyrics are incisive and cool. Uh, this Idols record is, it, it's, it's one that has not left my consciousness since I started playing it. Is it an all-time favorite album? No, but it's, it's definitely a favorite of mine from the past five years. Well, see, well, yeah, like you said, from the past five years, I mean, it is hard to answer that question because uh, Appetite for Destruction is one of mine. I've got my top five, too, but I was thinking if Gun to the Head, if I had to pick one, might have been the time I was listening to it when he was at his heyday. This is what I love about music, though. 
that, okay, for instance, when Run DMC and Aerosmith did Walk This Way, I will never forget. This was when rock was changing. And I'm like, what is this? <laughs> what is this mm-hmm. run? Like, this run DMC you know, group, what is happening? I was like shell-shocked. And then I remember the video, you know, them busting through the wall, Aerosmith is playing, they're playing, and it was a very cool collaboration. But at the time, it was so like innovative and out there. And I was like, wow, people could do this. And I had a friend and, you know, we were both rockers and we loved the who and all. We grew up in the, you know, same, we were buddies. We lived across the street from each other. And we would listen to the who and we would listen to the Eagles and all of a sudden she's listening to i don't know what was, i don't even know what it was called in the 80s but mixes or whatever and i just remember like what happened to you <laughs> i asked her i went to her house once i'm like what went wrong what happened she was hanging out with a different crowd i'm like i still like foreigner she's like okay <laughs> and that's when i started noticing how much music was changing for the good sure. for the things have to change things can't stay the same but um, what is your favorite era of rock, James? Oh, again, really hard to answer. I mean, I can make I can make strong arguments for every decade. I mean, truly. Um, oh, okay. I, you know, I'm, I'm probably most associated with the '90s just because of the Q and One stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I'm, I I really love a lot of the stuff that I've been hearing over the past five years. I love. The music I'm hearing coming in, coming from Chicago bands right now. I mentioned that Idols record. There's a band called Creeper from the UK that put out an absolutely mind-blowing record last year that sounds like a cross between AFI and Chris Isaac. I, mean, I, I think music is really exciting right now. I think there's a lot of experimentation. I think there are a lot of chances being taken. I, I think the ability for bands to do at a DIY level what they previously needed a record company to enable is fantastic. I, I, I think this is really exciting time for music well you hit on ahead there like uh, do-it-yourself stuff remember when you were younger and the garage bands you'd walk through the alley well i didn't because i lived Mm. in the city and i'm like oh you hear some god-awful music coming and you're hanging out these people and i'm like okay so where does that happen now yes people still have garages i don't think they have bands in them but i just started thinking about i said this all started from the godzilla song with my child the evolution of music and how interesting it is. But what I love about music is, yes, I consider myself a rock girl, but I can never be put into, because rock can be so many things, right? Sure. You can have yacht rock, you can have heavy metal, you can have hard rock. I don't even, (laughs) you can have, you can have alternative rock. I think 19, I'm going, I'm going to give you a year, James. This is how crazy I am. 1978. I think between 78 and 79. The last few years of the 70s were pretty tremendous. 78 and 79, some truly, I hate using this word, but here we go, truly seminal releases in those two years Mm -hmm. for rock. I I can't argue. I mean, watershed moments in music were, were going on then. Yeah, and, and the thing is, I was I was a kid, and what's funny, what got me into radio, I hope this doesn't make you laugh, was I thought I was going to be that, you know, remember Patty Hayes? Sure. I was going to be that that sultry rock person and I've done traffic. So we move on here. I am with my, yeah, I, I grew up thinking I'd be like a sultry edge Schwartz, So very similar. <laughs> and uh, the funny thing is I have, I have done stuff like that, but that's not been the majority of my career. And I, that's why I went into radio. 
So I don't know. That's just a side note about me. Well, no, that's why I I got into radio because I like music. I, I didn't get into radio because I like the sound of my own voice. I no. Because I wanted to entertain necessarily. I just, going back to this notion of curation, I wanted to be that guy who turned people on to music. That, that's it. That's but you are, <laughs> James, but you are. Well, I'm, I'm saying, like, that's why I got into radio and here I am. And You're doing it. It's always been the goal. Yeah. Yeah. I, I certainly wasn't sitting there saying, I'm going to jam out and talk about the Kennedy. Yeah. You know, but hey, <laughs> that's okay. We have bills to pay. It, and I'm it not, it is okay. I'm not, yes, I'm okay. not at all knocking what I do because I've hosted and done other things, but I just, I want to get back to my roots. And I'm not talking about Ms. Clairol. And I want to, I used to do a show called Rock Back with Her Check. It was strictly an 80s show. And we were, I was talking about stuff like this. I just, I'm getting very verklempt. We've been tied up for a year in this stupid freaking virus, whatever you want to call it. And it makes you think about things. You know, I got a little sentimental lately. I started going through my old stuff and I'm like, I really need to do a show on this. Okay. So tell everybody about your podcasts because you seem to have an edge of where new music is, local music, Chicago music. Let everyone know how they could even find any of this stuff because we're all busy and um, it's kind of hard to get to things. I, all the above are true. So my podcast is called Car Con Carne, uh, C-A-R-C-O-N Carne. It's English. Car mm-hmm. think. So for six and a half years before the pandemic, I recorded my podcast in my car. I'd invite guests to sit in my car with me. Uh, we'd get food from a restaurant. We'd bring it in the car. We'd sit in my parked car and do video and audio interviews while we ate dinner. And it was great fun. And it, it will be great fun again after the pandemic. When the pandemic hit, my God, a year ago, when, when the work from home uh, or shelter in place became a thing, I realized two things about the podcast. One, if I didn't do something to keep it going, six years worth of effort and momentum would be completely destroyed and I would lose whatever I created because I certainly didn't think that things would snap back to normal. Uh, so I realized I needed to do something. So to keep the podcast moving forward and to give me something to do while staying at home every night, I started doing the podcast nightly from home. Okay. Uh, just because we've all sat, sat there at home and scrolled through Netflix for an endless amount of minutes and just gotten angrier in, in the process. I wanted to give myself a creative outlet every night. So I'm doing Kirkland Carney from home five to seven times a week. And it's featured a lot of bands, a lot of bands, very big, a lot of bands, very small. And I would say guest list is 75% musicians. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'd say of that number, another 75% are Chicago musicians. And that's, you know, I, you can, I'm on KirklandCarney.com and all the podcast platforms. But that's it. I mean, it's just me talking to people I find interesting, not unlike what you're doing. Well, yeah, I mean... Well, that's great because I there's so many platforms. There was a time when podcasts were like, uh, like you. I mean, I lost my job. I lost my my full time gig that I was doing with uh, US ninety nine in the score because there's no morning traffic anymore. So people aren't driving to work. You yeah. know, no point in having me right. doing traffic. But I'm still on BBM on Sunday nights, so that's fine. I well, I still do my paranormal show because that's a huge interest of mine. But there's so much more to me than just that that I started this show and I started thinking of all the things I want to do. And music is such a huge part, I think, of everyone's life. Man, oh, yeah. you know what? Okay, guilty pleasures. If if anybody were to look at your list, 
would you be a sh- how out there is like do you go from a to z with your musical taste and what's on your on your list if they were to hear jvo soul because mine's sure, pretty I, out there see I, I not to challenge you or, or seem to challenge me I, I i think the idea of guilty pleasures is stupid i, I think that's some that's a young person's concept i, I think you like what you like john denver I mean, does that apply james does does that apply does what apply john denver you know, uh, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Okay. You just told me you weren't going to challenge me. But if I hear no, I mean, a John Denver song, I will burst out into tears and not for the reasons most people would just because it gets to my soul. <laughs> listen, I, I don't like him. I, I wouldn't put one of his records on. But if you like him, OK, I, there's no shame. It's what you like. Who Country Road. It, it, yes. It, it, music connects with people in any number of different ways. Yes. <laughs> you know, I, it's, I think it's, it's stupid to judge. I mean, there are bands I hate and there are bands I can't understand other people liking. Right. Right. But, but I don't, I don't know if I buy into the guilty pleasure thing. I'm sure I guarantee you, if you trace through my digital playlists or my records or CDs, you'd think, wow, that's, it's kind of startling, but you know, it's just the stuff I like. We'll see. No shame. No, no, you shouldn't. But you're funny because you're like, oh, I don't believe in that. And when I say John Denver, there was a pregnant pause there, man. Well, no, but it's not a guilty pleasure. It's just I have to acknowledge yeah, there's stuff I think is garbage, but it's cool if you like it. You know what? It ju- I'll tell you why. It brings me back to a time when all six of us who were six in our family were home. Life was simple. I played with my dolls. You follow me? And, and I, if it... Yeah, it was on the radio. It was a is a very powerful thing. Oh, James, that is probably the biggest thing. Well, I'm for me that music does is the the memories it brings, and that was a a good time. Just like bad breakups, you know, when if you ever break up and there's a song, it's like I how many perfumes, James, I've thrown out because of ex boyfriends, (laughs) and I'm like, you bastard, that was an expensive. Expensive we perfume. The same thing. I mean, the, the, the bottles of Dracar Noir. Are trash. <laughs> same thing. The gray flannel, all in the garbage. Mm-hmm. No, but yeah, um, yeah the, the nostalgia. So I've just been very weepy lately with thinking about things. Maybe maybe it is because I've been cooped up too long. Well, let's just say, it's, it's funny you should say that. I, I, I felt like everything went upside down this week. It's just everyone I dealt with, every personal and professional dealing, people just got stupid and bananas this week. I think it is whether people are cognizant of it or not. I, I think people are at this one year anniversary breaking point. People just, they're losing it. Yeah. They want to break mental free. Health, mm-hmm. Mental health has been a, a very important mm-hmm. topic over the past year. And I, I really think you're seeing some manifestations in everyday relationships right now. And now that we're about to hit this awful milestone of one year being sheltering in place or of sheltering in place, I think people are, are, are losing and getting weepy and all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, we all want to break free here and it's coming and everyone's doing it at their own pace. And I understand that, but I've, I, I don't know this whole week I've just been, I've been going from Ozzy to John Denver and I'm like, Oh my God, what's happening. But one thing, well, I, I'm, oh, moving, go ahead. I'm, I'm moving to Texas. That's my solution. Can I, I would totally move to Texas. I mean, I'm kidding. Oh, I was, Dan and I, I were talking to, about that. Oh. <laughs> well, maybe ZZ Top is there. Maybe you can hang out with them. Um, you know what else I wanted to say about music that it, I don't think it's happening anymore? The songs from the early TV show, 70s, 80s, and I think maybe Friends 
that I could think of might be the last one that had songs that stemmed from shows that were on the radio. Those were so cool. Like the Partridge Family. Uh, I know the Brady Bunch had an album back in the day, but Greatest American Hero, they don't have, I don't even think TV shows now really have beginnings, do they? You know, you just go into it, you fast forward it anyway. Now, that said, I, I, for the very first time, I can't believe it's taken me this long to do it. I, I'm watching The Sopranos, which I somehow avoided for 21 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's every bit as fantastic as people said. The acting is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. The, the A3 song, Woke Up This Morning, oh, is as good an intro song you'll see on a TV show. It is I mean, great. Every time it starts, I sit through the intro because it's just... Mm-hmm. I, how could the Alabama Three have known when they recorded that song how perfectly it would fit with that TV show? Because it it is, it's like they made it for The Sopranos. It is so good. Now, am I wrong? Do they play that on XRT or a song like that? Because I could have sworn I heard it's a it's a very cool song. I agree with you. Well, yeah, I'm not going to sing it because I'm not a singer. But yeah, I just I don't know. I think that's missing too. I've been very I've like I said, I've just been weepy and I needed to talk to somebody who could who could bring me up on lift me back up here with music. And I'm not some there's a lot of things I can get into. I just a lot of it is just for instance, I'm 9 years older than my husband. Okay? You can call me Mrs. Robinson if you would like. We I'll, I'll hear something because I'm with Name That Tune. He'll play Name That Tune with me. And within two seconds, I'm like, got it, got it. He's got his rap stuff. And I and there's certain rap I do like. And I'm a huge Eminem fan. People don't really consider him. More, more the pop rap from like 2000. I think Nelly, stuff like that, Ludacris. I, I don't mind that at all. But only nine years in your formative years, Dan and I could not be further apart, James. It is fascinating to me. That's not a long time, but it is. Oh, but it, oh, it absolutely in, is. In, in, it is. Yeah, I guess in, if you think about it, when I was in high school, God, that sound makes me sound dirty, and he wasn't. Um, it, it's huge, though. And I thought, wow, how different your life was with the music you listened to than I. I mean, if you just consider, let's take, for example, the difference between 1975 and 1985. Mm-hmm. Think of how much things changed. In those 10 years, yeah. a lot happened. Yeah. New wave happened. Yes. Things, I mean, 10 years it can, be, it can represent a seismic shift yes. in the, the sound of contemporary music. No, you're absolutely right. And it's funny that you said new wave because in high school, the new wave, the cure, all that stuff, there was a certain, um, I didn't hang out with those girls. There was nothing wrong with them. We just had different lifestyles. Okay. I was like, oh, they're new. We called them new wavers. Now I, I I love that music because they're it's all memories to me. But at the time, I remember thinking, "Wow, that's just so out there for me." Now I look back and I think it's it's fun. But it's interesting because Dan, <laughs> I'm like Dan. I don't know what the hell are you listening to? What do you mean? What am I listening to that I put on something? What do you mean you don't know this song? I don't know. It's just yeah. kind of funny. Where do you think? Do you okay? Bands like UFO and Rainbow do you like solid rock to me. Sure. Okay. Long time ago, but solid rock. Now, on commercial radio, I'm not really hearing it. And I know that there's a lot of other avenues to go to, which is probably what your podcast, I would love to hear it because I would love to hear the people that you have on. 
Do you predict any different sound coming in the next couple of years? I know it evolves. Music evolves. I I think guitar, I mean, this should make you happy, although it's just a prediction. I think guitar will swing back around. In fact, looking at the chronology of music, it's probably long overdue. Um, Going back to Rainbow and UFO, those first few Dio albums are absolutely classic. I, I, I can defend those first few Rainbow albums to the test. The Joe Lynn Turner stuff, not as much, uh, but those, those formative albums, I mean, the, the Richie Blackmore's Rainbow, it's phenomenal albums. Um, I, I think guitar rock will absolutely swing back around. It, it has to. It, it, if music is as cyclical as we understand it to be, I think that that's on the horizon. Well, it's it's interesting if you even go back to I was flipping through Sirius in the car and I don't remember what. Oh, oh Happy Days theme, the 50s. Um, one, two, three, clock, four, clock, rock. So that was on. And I was like, oh, because that's I used to love that show. And that's a fun show. And my, my son loved it. But I thought, wow, that was that was cool. Especially I remember arguing with my mom once because I thought I knew everything. It was Guns N' Roses and I couldn't put the whole Appetite for Destruction on because they swore a lot, right? In everything. It's so easy and uh, all of it. My Michelle, a lot of swear words. So I used to try to turn down the songs when she would walk by, but she was just like, what are you? I'm like, mom, it's Axl Rose. Like, come on, you're embarrassing me. And she, you know, no, that that's not, you know, rock it is mom it is and she's like no elvis and of course she was what a teenager in the 50s or whatever and elvis and all that stuff yes absolutely that started it all but i remember having trying to have a discussion with her james and like but mom it's really hard to play an instrument you can't do that and i think i won that discussion she's like well you got me there but it's funny how that rock was so vulgar then when Elvis was supposedly, I read one time, like the way he moved and gyrated was dirty. Now look at people. Yeah. Now look at the rap videos. <laughs> Jeez. It's, it's just funny. funny. Rock and roll, it, rock and roll to me is really simple to explain. It, it's rebellion. It's a middle finger at the wave right in the face of the man. It, it's mm-hmm. beating to your own drum. I, I could think of a million different cliches. My kids have a really hard time rebelling musically because I do listen to everything. Like they, they can't be those rebellious kids pulling out appetite for destruction because I'll listen to it with them. It, it's been a real challenge for right. them mm-hmm. to find to find ways to to get under my skin. I mean I, I guess pure pop is the way to do it. But I think I think my son finally relented and he just goes record shopping with me now. I love it. I absolutely love it. I saved one of my it, You've seen the radios. They look like something from the 20s, but it's actually a radio. It's a CD player. It's got a little tape thing on the side, and it's an album. Uh, record player. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the old-fashioned um, looking things. Are those like the, the Crosleys? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, I think they're cool. I love antiques, so I love old equipment looking things. I think they just look cool or whatever. So that's why I'd save. I don't listen to them, but that's why I had saved everything. And I remember Dan's like, what are you going to do with this? I said, this is my childhood. I'm not getting rid of this which explains the Billy Squire saga that we get into. But do you, do, do you remember, James, when uh, <laughs> if your tape, first of all, taping songs off the radio and waiting for them to come on was a big thing of mine. I had played and record ready to go. My finger on the buttons. I'm going to get this song if it's the last thing I do. But the just I, the makeout tapes, making hmm. your tapes for makeout sessions. That was I huge. Used to make tons- 
I used to make tons of mixtapes, but I, I never used the radio. I mean, I was just using my own records. Yeah, but well, well, right. You know, I would use those too. I'm just saying. I remember taping things off, and um, <laughs> I'm sure guys just did it to get lucky. But women all had a story no, with it. Oh God, no, 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 I, no, certainly not. I, I mean, <laughs> certainly not. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I mean, because I love music. I mean, I, going back to this idea of playing vinyl records, it's, it's 20 minutes aside. A tape, you get 45 minutes aside, or if you have the, the super fancy 120 minute tapes, you get 60 minutes aside. It was a way to listen to music longer. But I mean, one step further. The driver's license was such a, a moment of freedom and release and the anticipation for the driver's license. When I finally got a car and was able to drive around, I was making mixtapes like a mother. I, I couldn't make them fast enough, mm-hmm. so I had stuff to listen to whenever yeah. I was, for whatever mood I was in. If I was hanging out with my dumb buddies, there was a tape for that. If I was just driving by myself, there was a tape for that. If I was running errands, tape for that. If I was trying to impress a girl, tape for that. I mean, I loved making those tapes. And it wasn't to get late. It was just because I love music. Oh, well, you're an anomaly because I remember making them and each one had a story. And I'm thinking, I remember when I made it, I'd be like, oh, is the guy, he'll be thinking of this. Nothing like really dirty or anything, but maybe a memory we had. I'm sure he wasn't thinking of anything. But the but the fun it was and the amount of heart and soul that you put into doing something like that. I guess you can still send some a, a playlist. Doesn't seem as much fun, you know? Right. You yeah, can't whip out your pencil when the leader that. tape is coming out. The eraser. Good times. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, I will get back to the year we're in. But yeah, I wanted to do a show and I wanted somebody who you've got a different with your podcast and what you do for a living now. I know what I like. I love music. I love all kinds of music. I love to listen to music and talk with people about it. But you're actually interviewing people because these people need a place to be heard. And with and, and until podcasting came out, how were they, unless you're on the radio, that was pretty scarce. So it's like podcasting has done a huge service for people that are trying to break out. Right? As an artist? Yeah, I guess. I, mean, I, I certainly don't want to you know, beat my chest and take too much credit for what I'm doing, but it, it's been nice. I mean, it, it's been a, it's a, it's been a nice mutual relationship. I mean, they, 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 these artists I've interviewed have helped me grow my show, grow my reputation. If I'm able to provide an outlet at the same time, cool. I, that's awesome. Well, it is though, because without it, I guess you had to go the old fashioned way and I don't know, get somebody to listen to your stuff and, what oh, a yeah. pain. I mean, even with, and I will promote my own show uh, show on a quest paranormal for those of you into freaky stuff like that. People who have experiences with ghosts or spirits or anything they can't really explain, I felt like, don't laugh, was an outlet for me to talk to people about these things where maybe they felt safe. I'm going to talk about it on Jill's show and not feel like sure. freaks. So that's, you know, when because when podcasting first started, I'm like, oh, this is so stupid. Yeah, I said that. But then I realized it's not stupid. And a lot of people, there's- Well, it, here's the thing, Jill. So many people did say that. And so many people still do say that. And it, it's appalling to me. And as someone who has worked in radio as long as you have, I, I'm astonished by the volume of professional broadcasters who've yet- to go to dip their toe in the, in this mm-hmm. medium. It, it's mm-hmm. crazy to me. And when I tell fellow broadcasters, fellow radio people who aren't podcasting, there will come a time 
when you'll need another radio job. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a question of if. It's, it's a, a question, question of, of when. when. And, and when that future program director is considering candidates for that position, that program director is going to look at your digital footprint. Yes. What you do outside of a studio. If you're not pod- podcasting, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Like, if this is your career, if this is what you want to do, if you, if you are committed to a life behind the microphone, why does it stop after a three-hour voice track shift at a radio station? Why are you not doing everything you can to enhance your brand and mm-hmm. skills? Mm-hmm. It, it makes me crazy. It makes me absolutely crazy. It's so nearsighted. No, you're right. I'm talking like when it first started, I thought, who's going to... And I wasn't saying that to be arrogant or mean. I was just... I didn't get it initially. And then I saw, I thought exactly what you just said. Dan and I would talk about it. I said, you know, when I started the Anna Quest, I said, okay, I realize this is a niche. You have to like, you have to like that stuff. You have to want to know about Bigfoot and UFOs and all that stuff that I'm very interested in. But behind the mic, as a host, talking about what Jill wants to talk about, which is what maybe a lot of people may be interested in. Music, I think, touches everybody. Uh, we had bad dates on the last one, and ugh, God, it was awful. And, you know, the first one I spoke with Mark Grody from the Bears, and we just talked about life. If, and like you said, it's not a, it's not a question of, oh, oh I, I may need a job someday. No, you will need a job someday. This business. And guess what? They're becoming more scarce. Yes. This business gonna, is brutal. What are you going to do to stack the odds in your favor? This, How are you going to make this better for yourself? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You have to. You have to take the bull by the horns and do it, which is why I'm doing this show. And I, too, want to show myself as somebody who can talk about a lot of different topics. But yeah, you're you're right. But for people that haven't been in radio or aren't, I mean, the people that are doing themselves, like you said, if you want to commit to this, a huge disservice. Oh, my God. The platform is here. What I would have killed to have done this years ago if we had the platform. Well, here's the, here's the other thing about professional broadcasters not doing this. Podcasting as it stands right now is ruled by amateur broadcasters. They, professional broadcasters have ceded control of this space mm-hmm. to people who've never worked behind a microphone before. Mm-hmm. That, should, that should be infuriating. That should be incensing to professional radio people. Like, wait a minute. Some dude down the street is mm-hmm. able to get 20,000 listens a month? Seriously? And I, I've been doing this my whole career. It, this is an existential threat. And I, I think more broadcasters who have these skills should be stepping up and doing something. Well, you're right, because there's a lot of talented people out there and long gone are the days where you've got to wait for somebody to hear you. Oh, maybe they'll listen to what... I, no, have it at their fingertips. You're right. Which is why I am doing both. I'm doing the On a yeah. Quest Paranormal and this one. And this one... I'm just, I'm committed to it. I'm committed to it and that's it. And so I wanted to, (laughs) despite what you said earlier, really, you are so musically smart and smart. That didn't even make sense. You know, music, I know music, but you have a different pulse on music because you're talking to people that are out there now trying to do it. And you're like a music genius in that sense. Although I did beat Mark McGrath and name that tune on WGN on the Pete McMurray show, but I digress. So that's impressive. Thank you. It was impressive, but I was kind of, he's so cute. I was kind of embarrassed. Yes, I'm a married woman, but I'm like, "Uh," but I beat him. So anyway, James, what else do you want to tell anybody before we wrap this show up about your podcast or anything? Because you've really been doing this for in your 20s a very long time, which means you started when you were like a toddler. (laughs) Exactly. 
Yeah, I, I do this because I have fun doing it. it I, you mentioned that I do demo 312 on 101 WKQX, mm-hmm. and it, it's my only hour of traditional FM radio that I do each week. And people have asked, well, you're, only, you're only on the air for an hour a week? Well, I'm only on FM radio an hour a week. I do radio every day. And that's yeah. really the way I look at podcasting. I, I, it's radio without a big antenna off the Hancock. It, it, I do radio every day of the week because of this podcast. And I love doing it. I love, mm-hmm. I love talking to people and hearing their stories. I love talking to musicians, getting the details behind the creative process. I, beyond musicians, I enjoy talking to entrepreneurs and authors and uh, people from cinema. I, it, this is a lot of fun for me. And, I'm going to keep doing it till that there's, I'm just going to keep doing it for as long as I humanly can. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I am too. So that's why we have our shows, but I really appreciate you coming on and no, I didn't just ask you because I know you, because I know who I'm asking and who can be on with me. You you can ask me because you want to have me on, but you can also ask me because I'm an easy guest. I mean, I, I have a lot of people I lean on who are easy guests as well, who also contribute Mm-hmm. to what I do. Well, no, I mean, I yeah. Sorry, go guest ahead. Booking, it, guest booking is hands down the hardest part of podcasting. I think it's harder than hustling money. I think it's harder than editing, harder than maintaining, making sure you have warm bodies on the other side of the podcast on a regular basis is the hardest part of the gig. And when I make my first million off podcasting, insert laughter here, I swear to God, the first thing I'm going to do is hire a producer. No, it is hard, James. You are right, because I'm sure you get this with me. And I've only done three of these on the Jiller Check show because it's a baby. But for the other, for the paranormal one, ones that I thought for sure, I'm like, this is great. I I know they're going to talk. It's not just going to be me. I don't want it just to be me. I want a conversation Mm -hmm. to try to avoid the yes and no questions. Sometimes I've been pleasantly surprised and very unpleasantly surprised. Like, wow, I thought this person, there were a couple of couple of radio people I had on that I thought, I don't have to explain how radio works and get the feel. And they were, it just didn't work that way. And I was like, yikes. So in my head, luckily, I can just talk and talk and talk. I kind of said a lot of words and got the hell out of there. And what, vice versa. What I tell every guest, go ahead. What I tell every guest before we start recording is this is for a podcast obviously short answers are death don't give me short answers Mm -hmm. talk a lot about yourself if you think you're giving too many details you're not and i'll tell every guest before we go on just because i've been burdened by that so many times i'll say talk until it's embarrassing you think you're talking too much yeah because you can always cut them off Mm -hmm. yeah that there's nothing worse than Yes. Then you have to ask all the follow-up questions. Okay. It's like pulling oh, out yeah. a tapeworm. It's like, oh my God. But yeah, so I think you're doing a good thing. I love music and I have no musical talents or I would hope you would ask me to be on your show. I can maybe play the triangle. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. But that's all I got. <laughs> I love it. Okay, good. James, thank you so much for being on. I really do appreciate your time. And tell people again how they if they want to get a hold of you. What if there's somebody out there listening that's like, you know what? I'm the next I'm the next it thing. How do they contact you? I would first direct them to my radio show, okay. uh, 101wkqx.com slash demo three one two and submit music that way. That's that's the easiest. I'll tell you what not to do. I think that's easier. Okay. Or not. 
uh, don't send me Spotify links. Don't do that. I can't play those on the radio. I have to log in to hear you. Don't do that. Um, <laughs> if, you're, if you're submitting stuff to the radio station, send me WAV files. So if I can actually air that is of a higher quality. Uh, as far as listening to me goes, carquincarney.com. I do all my interviews are run live on Facebook before they're archived as audio podcast episodes. You can watch the show live. I usually record around 8.30 every weeknight, uh, although we're recording this on the 4th of March, and I've done a couple of Sunday afternoon podcasts this week. Carquincarney.com, uh, all the audio platforms, YouTube, Audible, Amazon, and so on. Well, basically, you're not a busy man and you're kind of a dull guy is what you're saying. I need a hobby. <laughs> we all need a hobby, James. No, truly, though. Thank you, you guys. You're a wonderful guest and reach out to him because if you like music, this is a place to be. So thank you so much for listening. I'm going to promote myself one more time on a quest paranormal for all you freaks out there. Come find me wherever you can hear podcasts. You saw Bigfoot, you saw an alien, you saw a ghost, you heard a ghost, you touched a ghost, you laid in a grave, anything freaky deaky. I don't really do demons, okay? I'll say that. I'm, I'm No, 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 no. Give me a shout out. But thank you for listening to the Jill Urchak Show, everyone. Peace out. <laughs>